This episode of EM Weekly has been archived. The ideas presented by the former host of EM Weekly may not reflect or represent the values of the Readiness Lab and the Doberman Emergency Management Group. Out of respect for the guests who contributed to this episode, it remains available online. EM Weekly is starting right now. We can't be focused on broadcasting. You can't just turn up louder and say, but we put out flyers, but we had a meeting and no one came. That That's a communication when no one shows up. Hi, and welcome to EM Weekly. This is your host, Todd DeVos speaking. And today is the last episode of the year. 2017 has gone out, 2018 is coming in. And man, I can't, I'm glad that 2017 has gone. What a, what a crazy year. We talked a little bit about it in the last episode, but all the fires in California, the hurricanes in the southeast, Florida got hit, Puerto Rico gets hit, Texas gets hit, floods all over the place, snowstorms are happening. Man, 2017 is definitely a crazy year for for us. Even worldwide, volcanoes going off, mudslides happening, floods everywhere else in the world as well. So uh, hopefully 2018 will be a little bit slower for us to give us time to mitigate and prepare and to recover from all these disasters that happened this year. Maybe our responses will be down. I'm not much for doing the New Year's resolution. You know, it's always like, I'm going to go to the gym. You go to the gym and it's crowded for the first month and then you, you wane off or whatever. And it's just, it's human nature, right? You just you get excited for a little bit about something and, and just challenges get in the way and, and you let it go. And, and sometimes it doesn't pan out the way you want it to pan out. But I am for making plans for the for the new year. You know, I kind of sit down and reflect on what you did in 2017 and see what you could do better in 2018. Not so much a resolution, but just the planning, right? Looking at it and, and putting forth. So here at EAM Weekly, we have a great plan for 2018. We're going to bring some, like I said before, some big name guests in. We're going to be doing some more stuff on the website. If you haven't been to the website, it's www.em weekly.com over there you'll see some posts and whatnot over there and uh, this year we're going to be we requested and we looked out and we have some people that that have uh, agreed to do some guest blog posting so you're not just going to be hearing from me you'll be hearing from others as well and if you guys again if you guys have interest in doing some posting for whatever reason we'd love to have you again it's the community that we're building so we're going to have some people coming and putting um, some different points of view um, about emergency management on emweekly.com so i'm excited about that as well Moving forward, one of the, my goals here is National Preparedness Month. I hope to have a theme this year. We tried to do it last year, and then all the hurricanes came. So we're going to do themes for National Preparedness Month. We're going to do a theme for um, October as well. And even though we do the Great Shakeout in October, what we want to do in October is I really want to highlight uh, women in emergency management, and I want to put that out there on the air. That my commitment to that in October is that we're going to do we're going to do what we plan to do in this year and doing the uh, women of emergency management in October. And so hopefully hopefully that will be go through without having any hurricanes or major disasters that are going to take our time uh, during that period. So anyway, that's my commitment to you guys for 2018. Uh, thank you for all listening to what we have going on here. I think this is going to be a great year. Uh, thank you all for, for uh, joining us in, in 2017. And well, that's uh, my little 2018 New Year's commitment to you all. This episode, we're talking to Pete Turner, who was essentially 
in his words, a spy. Uh, he was intelligence, army intelligence, uh, went into various different areas and understands messaging and how to relate with people that aren't in the loop, right? So the question always is, when we talk about messaging for disasters, whether it be evacuation, whether it be preparedness, whether it be the recovery aspect of things, how do we message people? And I think that's been uh, one of those concerns that we've had for a long time. One of those issues where, you know, we know what we're saying. And I know that we've talked about this here when we're talking about the nuclear planning, the EPZ. What does it mean to people that aren't from the area uh, when you're messaging saying, you know, evacuate north of the 405? What's that mean for people? If you don't live in Southern California, if you don't live in you know, the area and you put the message you need to evacuate north of the 405, uh, you, you don't know what's, what we're talking about. You know, those of you that you're listening right now going, what the heck's the 405, right? So that, that aren't in, the, in Southern California. So that's my point, right? So we have lots of guests and stuff like that down here. So messaging is important in that aspect of it. But truly, how do we get people engaged in preparedness, right? And it's something that we're failing at here. Um, I think the last statistic that I looked at is less, one, one, less than 1% of the population is prepared to this FEMA standard 72-hour uh, preparedness, right? So I'm kind of redundant there, but you know what I'm saying right? They're not up to the 72-hour standard. And we've even pushed it out now, right? We're talking about 14 days that we want people to have be prepared in their home for 14 days. What does that mean? What does that look like? All right. And how do we tell people to spend money on something that they just we're not sure it's going to happen. It's like insurance, right? So it's messaging is really important. So I think that having Pete on the show to talk about from his perspective as a non-emergency manager, but somebody who has dealt with messaging with populations that don't speak the same language, uh, I think that you're going to get a lot out of. We'll be back right after this short break. Emergencies happen. Whether they're related to medical emergencies, threats of physical violence, weather related, or other. One of the most difficult things during an emergency is to find help and quickly and efficiently communicate with all parties, regardless of whether you're an administrator, law enforcement, or the end user. With Titan HST, we help distort time by creating high-tech yet simple-to-use mobile-based applications that connect you with the people who can help you. At Titan HST, we believe in the power of people. Hi, this is Todd DeVoe from EM Weekly. If your company is in the emergency management and response space, EM Weekly is a place for you to advertise. Each week, we bring in experts in emergency management, response, and leadership from around the world, and they're here to share their best practices. Our listeners are eager to learn about new products and ideas, so this is the space for you. For more information, please contact Brian at brian at emweekly.com. Welcome back from that short break, and let's uh, continue on. We're here at Barnes & Noble. I have uh, Pete Turner here, and we're going to talk a little bit about some information that he received about uh, some responses around the area, and uh, we're going to talk about his podcast. So, uh, Pete, welcome to Ian Weekly. Yeah, man. Thanks. It's my pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to doing this, so uh, thanks for having me on. I love it. Sure. So, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, what you're doing sure. now, and, uh, and what we can share here with the Ian Weekly crowd. 
I've actually dipped my toe into the EM world. Uh, I've helped out George Whitney a little bit with his business over at Complete EM. I helped him out over there and, uh, you know, learned a lot about it. actually appeared on his show a couple of times, too. Mm-hmm. So why would why would Pete appear on a show when he's not really in the EM world? Well, I was a spy and I spent a lot of time overseas working in the villages and doing things uh, with, with the locals. And, and that sounds way more nefarious than it is. I'm glad to openly talk about it because when an American shows up wearing civilian clothes in a foreign land, what does everybody think they have person is? Right. I mean, look, I, I one time flew on a, a C-5 out of Travis Air Force Base. You know, I got long hair, you know, I'm in good shape running around. They're like, are you with this cargo? And they point and it's a bunch of Zodiacs, like six of them. And I look and I go, no, <laughs> no one believes me. You know, I'm like, I'm just not going to say anything about it. So even my peers think that I'm uh, a spy. So right. so I, I'm open about it because why, why create it? Other people do it differently, but I don't. That's a whole lot of setup for me to say this. I get people. I get the ground truth and the reality of, of, of what, when strategy and tactics meet ground truth, that's me. That's where I'm at. And right. so it's when it, when it comes to us planning and trying to mitigate the hazards, risks, and, and damage from a disaster, I'm a kind of guy you talk to about culture, about, you know, how will this work? How do we get this message out? I mean, what's the number? 5% of people are considered prepared? Oh, I think it's less than that. Yeah, right. Yeah. So uh, what do you do now? You know, like, how do you deal with that and is that number accurate? It's a hundred questions. So ideal, ideal in the in the reality space, which is very unfair for me to say, but it, it is it is what I do. Mm-hmm. I go out and I talk to people and I understand more about where they're at and what it takes. Look, if you can, if you can accomplish your goal by leveraging somebody else's culture, duh, why not do that? You right. know, like why work so hard to create something new if something that exists already will accomplish it? If that makes sense. That's like one of the biggest things that we talk about specifically messaging right, yeah. in disasters and, you know, what culture are you specifically messaging to? And in today, I mean, as much as we used to call ourselves the melting pot back in, you know, back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, somebody made, made a, a better analogy of this is that we're more like a like a tossed salad, if you will, where <laughs> there's a bunch of different things in there. Yeah. And the um, the idea behind that is that each culture is kind of keeping its own its own self right yeah. and so now we have to think about messaging based upon what people think is the truth and how we get this out to them and so we talk about an evacuation order uh, it means different things to different people especially yeah. in a place like southern california where there's a bunch of different ideas of what that means well you think about evacuating from southern california i thought about this the other day i saw the the sign for the uh, the evac route for a tsunami like there's, there is no evac route for Southern California. There is none. I mean, it's as soon as you go to get on it, the, the evacuation is over. You can't get anywhere, you know? I mean, there are so many ingresses and egresses along the way. It's just chaos. So, yes, there are planned routes, but the reality is, is some, I'm going to take a different route because that's just not going to work, right? right? And you talk about culture. I would encourage all of us in the EM world to expand what we see and think of cultures being omnipresent instead of segmented, you know, like uh, the everybody's into diversity right now. Right. right. What's what's the antonym of diversity? Unity. Right? right. So how do we create a diversified, unified approach to getting people out of an area or helping them hunker down? Or how do we create a, a multicultural resilience plan so that a community can provide for itself and not take the burden off the EM? 
but but to re- like okay, that's accounted for. You know, what do you guys need? There's one point of contact. We're sending you sandbags, whatever it's going to be. Right. So those things are tougher when you think of culture as as segments and and think of it as a whole bunch of intersections. And culture intersects nonstop. It's omnipresent. It affects everything you do. It never stops. It's like gravity. So if you're constantly thinking from a cultural perspective and cultural lens, whatever you think works in the in the EOC, that's not reality on the ground. Mm-hmm. You have to refocus and take your camera and flip it 180 and say, how would this work in this part of town and this part of town? And it's hard. It's hard. But that's what it takes to communicate across cultures and through those intersections. Otherwise, you just come blasting and you're going to get results that you don't like. You know, I was talking to Ella Stanley um, at the IAEM conference in Long Beach um, a few weeks ago. And in our conversation, he talks about, we talk about culture. And he goes into the idea of culture is not just Native American culture versus Irish American culture versus right. this versus that. He goes into the idea that culture is also um, age. Yeah. You know, our, our perceptions of what we know um, at, at this age is different compared to what it is for, say, uh, the youth today or the millennials or, or what that is. And how do we, you know, communicating across the board, you know, and it goes into the fact like my son, for instance, he doesn't watch program TV. Right. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he, he watches Netflix. He watches the Amazon he watches whatever's on yeah. PlayStation, uh, lots of YouTube channels and stuff. Totally like different way to consume media. Right. Yeah. How do we, how do we relate messages to someone like him, you know, where yeah. he's not listening to the ES message doesn't get to him. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it does get to his phone, you know, and it, we it had does. the whole thing in Northern California where I'm from, where they didn't use the phone system. And then when I got alerted down here in Southern California, I don't know what someone drew a polygon around all those phone numbers and sent me like three or four messages in rapid succession. Well, after all of the crisis was primarily over, there were still fires going on. But like now you're going to alert a guy in Southern California that Santa Rosa is on fire. Right. But we got to do better than that, you know, and that's that goes back to the internal institutional culture, right, where we have this us versus them kind of attitude. And that can't be. You can't service the population if the inst- and all institutions have this problem. I call it a, an accountability ladder problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Everybody's worried about their boss. So they're all looking up the ladder at the at the boss above them and maybe around that boss to the next one. That orients you up orients you upwards instead of down on the ground where the ladder is founded, you know, and where all the help is going to be. So we have to get past that point of thinking about culture in terms of you're Hispanic, I'm white, you know, you're, you know, from the east side of town. I'm from, it's way more than that. And it, it is complex. But you can't ignore it. It's it's gravity. It's everywhere. It is impacting your mission. So how do you deal with those things? You immerse yourselves in the community. If I go to a U, I guarantee this. I guarantee this. If I go to any UASI meeting anywhere, I will look around and see an institutional knowledge base that's focused inward and upward. It won't be focused on the ground. Yes, there'll be someone there from Walgreens talking about resilience. Absolutely. But the people on the ground that are going to be participating in these processes when there's an earthquake, when there's a flood, when there's a hurricane, they're not going to be properly represented there. It's all going to be, you know, oriented upwards. There will be some church members, absolutely. But I will be able to go, that's internally focused, that's internally. And most of the things that I'm going to point to are going to be internally focused. Yeah, you're pretty close to being 100% right on that. There are some variances here and there. Sure. Um, You know, it's interesting because one of the things that we reach out to in the area is uh, the thing they call the VOAD, the Volunteer Organizations Active in Disaster. Right. And then there's the COAD, which is basically the same thing. I forget mm-hmm. what the C stands for. Sorry, everybody. I think it's Community Organizations Active in yeah. Disaster. That's what it means. We'll go with that if it's not. I like it. <laughs> I like it. And so we, we reached out to the VOADs and the COADs and tried to, to build those relationships. But 
it's it's kind of hard for them to be at the meetings that we have from nine to five in the yeah. morning because they're volunteer organizations. Yeah. So they work. You know, I mean, well, let's let's talk about Team Rubicon for a minute. The, sure. The, the military. Um, Based volunteer organization that um, I, I know William McNulty. Right. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jake. You know. But the idea though is that the paid staff obviously is here in Southern California. Um, everywhere else, except for maybe here, at the, I think the regional administrators are paid. But for the most part, it's a volunteer organization. Right. Ninety percent is volunteer, and it's hard to ask those guys and gals that are Team Rubicon members to make it to the regional. You know, like for us in Orange County, we have the, what we call OSIMO, the Orange County Emergency Managers sure. Association, or you know those meetings like that. How do you get volunteers to make it to those meetings? Take time out of their day. Let me ask you this question: Do you want to go to that meeting? Like deep down inside, do you want to go? Yes. Okay, perfect. I love it. I love it. A yes and a wink. <laughs> so I don't want to swear in your podcast. So why the hell would anybody else want to? You know, so here's the thing, and this all this stuff applies like on the ground in combat zones too, right? right? I want all you elders to come in here and get your help. We're gonna help you, and you jam help down people's throat. It doesn't work that way. I'll use the example of uh, uh, active shooter drills, right? Mm -hmm. Every time, any time the police, uh, the the police in general, and I'm very very unfair in generalizing, have a problem with community contact, right? There's people that absolutely love them, there's people that absolutely hate them, but the people in the middle, they're not they're not very good at, at moving them. Why? Because they've got an institutional ALP problem, account, accountability ladder problem. Every time you do a police training, you should invite, not ask, invite, would you please be my guest and come down? I'm going to buy you lunch. I want to show you guys what we're doing. And you invite 10 people. If you get 10, then invite, invite 20, mm -hmm. you know, and just work on growing that aspect of it. So when you do an active shooter drill, have community people come down and witness this, right? Be part. I want to. I want you to see what we're doing to keep our kids safe. Please be my guest. And it's on. It's on whoever owns that part of the, the plan to bring people in and measure that. That measure of affect is important over the measures of effect. The effect is absolutely important. But look, if you can create a desire to come to these meetings, to participate in some way in training, even if it's just to observe, even if it's just to put that message into that group in 50 different neighborhoods, you map that, now you have the ability to sort of reliably communicate with the community as a whole. So yeah, the boring meeting that no one wants to go to and has a lingo that they're not going to get. Right, right. Okay, yeah, have them come to that, but do something more, you know, like like ride-alongs are great, but you should be like, we're bursting at the seams of ride-alongs. How do we do more? Right. You know, how do we get more people involved? You're, you are part of the community that I've identified because I've got internal people. Let me back up. In combat situations, all of the intel is focused on lethal threat, right? We want there. Hey, Pete, I want to find the most influential person in this valley. And I always say, it's you, sir. It's you, commander. Right. So we have to do the same thing internally in police stations and in, in emergency operations centers. We have to know the non-lethal, the people, the community leaders that do move a thousand people right. that are connected. Well, if you've got a notable blogger in your area, I know that's this seems weird. But if they have 60,000 people paying attention to their blog and most of them are there like in Orange County, in particular, what, three million people live here. Three point five. So there's bloggers. Heather Dubro is a celebrity in this area, right? Heather Dubro's messaging ability trumps anything anybody else can do in Orange County. 
So if she's like, this is really cool. I went out and the sheriff invited me to go to this active shooter thing. And you wouldn't, and if she says those words on her, on her shows, exponential awareness of those things, even across the country at some mm-hmm. points. So we have to get out of the old mode of we're an institution and we're going to send out flyers to educate people because that just doesn't work. Right, right. Yeah, that's one of the things I try to do prior. We have the emergency community response team, the CERT programs, and we kind of took a bit upon that and built it, this program called Neighbor for Neighbor, where we were going out to each neighborhood and creating their own. They weren't volunteers. They didn't have to come join the search right. team if they didn't want to be part of it. But what they were doing is building each block by block a network of people that could be there for sure. them in case of anything, whether it's a local disaster. I mean, what I mean by local disaster being the little old lady down the street mm-hmm. who has to go to the doctor and doesn't have a ride. Right. And now you're meeting them because that's what we're missing in these communities here. Like 3.5 million people. It's an yeah. urban area. It's a lot. You know, you yeah. don't know who your neighbor is. You live in condominium complexes. You don't know who the person who lives above you or below you are. Right. You know, and so that's what we're trying to do with the neighbor for neighbor program. And I think that was pretty successful. And we were able to take that model and push it out. But yet it's still pockets. It's yeah. not, it hasn't grown. It's not all over the place is still pockets. And so there are some things that we're doing to try to to break down those barriers of the of the different culture. But it's it's definitely difficult, especially when I think we have a culture, generalized culture here in America, where they are looking towards the government for direction and for help. And and uh, there's a really cool little commercial. I don't know who put it together. And it's these two people that are on an escalator. Have you yeah. seen that one? No. Uh-uh. So they're going up an escalator and the escalator stops. Yeah. And they start screaming, hello, help, help. Yeah. You know, and they don't try to, it. they don't try walking up or down the escalator. Yeah. They're stuck on the escalator. Right. You know, and and the guy's like, don't worry about it. You know, they're going to come soon to help us out, you know? Yeah. And I think that's who we are as a people is we get stuck on the escalator where we can still use the stairs, but we just choose not to. Yeah. And look. I am being critical of the system because I've seen the systems not work, right? And that's mm-hmm. the point of view I'm coming from. Right. But you're right. Like, people do get stuck on the escalator, and how do you get them off? And let me go back to your neighbor for neighbor program. So this is where culture works in your advantage, right? There are existing systems, networks that do this already for you. So, um, and I'm just going to, off the top of my head, think of some things. Um I mean, how popular is water polo here in Orange County, right? Oh, yeah. So you engage all the water polo organizations and say, hey, you know, we just want to put some messages in. How can we be part of this? And, yeah, it's a lot of work. You know, you got to contact a lot of people, but you got 3.5 million people to deal with. So you have to talk to a lot of people. And maybe that's a whole different, you budget a whole person on, on, look, social media, right? If your Twitter account isn't growing, if your blog presence isn't growing as an emergency management organization, then you have a problem. You're not communicating well. Let's step outside of, of the um, Orange County, sort sure. of California area, right? Okay. Because, I mean, this is what we know pretty well. Yeah. But let's go to, you know, middle of the country. Sure. Yeah, um, let's do it. Montana. Yeah, flyover yeah. states. Right. Yes. Like, how, how, does, how does an emergency... Yeah, I do too. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, I was just there last week. So, how does the emergency manager in Montana, whose you know population is going to be way lower than us, and, and the idea of reaching out to those people, how do they get those people involved? I yeah. Mean, Montana was a place... Was a, location of one of the larger earthquakes in in the in the United States, right? Yeah. It's a hotbed, literally. <laughs> it, is, it is, yeah. It is. This is a great question. And you know, you have to know your community to know where where the people are going to move from. What is the culture of Montana? My aunt and I had this discussion last week where fill in the blank department store wanted to come in and take over some of the older brands that were that were not working and so they were going to fill that up, but they didn't know how to buy clothes for Missoula. 
Mm. You know, so it's like not just jackets, this kind of jacket that's going to sell well. And it took them a couple of years before they got the vibe of what would sell. It's great to sell clothes from Southern California, but that doesn't work in Missoula. So you've got you've to adapt to the culture that's present there. And if you don't know, that's where the work begins. That's where you go out and you realize, look, it's Montana. There's a lot of Mormons there. And the Mormons are great at this, right? So go engage them and find out what's going on. And you, and you, f- you find the elder and you say, listen, uh, from your stake, I want to make sure you guys know how we're, we're ready for these things. I want you to be my guest and come out and then ask them. You snowball it out. This is all spy stuff. Who else should I invite? Who else is an important leader that needs to see these messages so that when, when the escalator stops, you all know to call me. I'm the sheriff. I want you to call me directly or call my deputy directly. You've got a friend in the force. You've got a friend in the sheriff department. If we don't build those things, then... It, this stuff works in rural Afghanistan, so it's going to work in Missoula. It's it's going to work in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. We have things that we can do. We have to use the, the culture of that area. And I, w- I would submit that most of these emergency managers uh, either are from there or are going to be able to quickly adapt to what does work. And I use church as an example a lot because a lot of folks go to church. Right. You know, but the ranchers all have, uh, you know, an association of some kind. I don't mean like the ranchers association, but they do something together. Right. Uh, they meet and people congregate in certain areas. Not everybody, but if you're getting the bulk of the people, you know, you're doing the bulk of the work. You know, one of the assignments I give my students is you're in charge of volunteer management, that type of thing for your community. Right. You know, how would you reach, you know, what, what, who would you use for volunteers? How would you reach out to them? And uh, this last assignment, I had one of my students put down that they would you know, reach out to Greenpeace. And I was like, huh, that is an interesting choice of, yeah. of who you'd use as a volunteer organization. And I thought, I asked them, he hasn't got back to me yet. And I asked him, I said, why, why Greenpeace? You know, what, yeah. what, what skills do they have that right. you think that you'd want to use in a disaster? But the thing that got me thinking about that, that is a, a, a brilliant way to think outside the box because like, you know, I always, you know, the Chamber of Commerce is one of the ones you always go to, right? right? Because they they have a vested interest in sure. making sure the recovery of your city comes back, right? right. Monetary and also just community. Churches are always a great example because there's normally some groups or ministries, yep. they call them, they're going to be involved. And then the service clubs, the Qantas Club, the Elks Club, the, the VFW. VFW, you know, yeah, all those, those things. Yeah, American League, you know, those clubs that are out there, there's always those play organizations to go to. Yeah. And what I say, and this is what I teach in my class, yeah. is I, say, I tell my students, I said, find your key organization, whatever that one is for your community. So for like where, you know, where I live, it's either going to be your Lions Club or your Rotary Club. Okay. Those are the two that are key organizations. That's where the politicians come out of. Sure. If, you, if you're on the city council, you're part of the Rotary Club or the Lions Club. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, those are the ones. Like, you know, some of them have other clubs around the area, but you find those key organizations, yeah. the ones that you have to belong to, and those are the ones that you need to reach out to to, um, to help. Yeah, I, I would I would even put more emphasis there, and I know that nobody wants to hear that, but I would say yes, Lions Club, Kiwanis Club, JCs, uh, the youth element of those, the key club, and all those key things. Because yeah. if you get kids passionate about it, you know they're going to beat their parents up. Why don't we have five gallons of water or whatever whatever the thing is going to be? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you have to engage, and that's look. I talk a lot about affect over effect, and it freaks people out because they say affect's a verb. Affect is also a noun, right? (laughs) And if you can create passion, if you can create action, if you can get people to come towards your organization, it doesn't matter. The effect will follow affect. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, here's how I explain it. If I write you 15 love letters 
doesn't mean you're going to love me. That's effect based. But if I do things that make you look at me and gaze into my eyes and I, you know, I'm, I can sense that I'm wooing you. If I do that, say 15 times, much more powerful in terms of getting the thing that I want. Right. So we have to engage. And this is, I'm also big on this. Where is the work? Right. Like, well, it doesn't work. I, I, I talk to these 25 different agencies and I just want, well, that's where the work is. The <laughs> work is in building the relationship there and building your audience so that when you put a message into it, you get a reflection back. We can't be focused on broadcasting. You can't just turn up louder and say, but we put out flyers, but we had a meeting and no one came. That That's a communication. When no one shows up, you're getting a null value back. Right, right. So you have to change your message. Yes. Not turn it up. Change the message. How do we get to these people? Who has an audience? Heather Dubrow has an audience. I'm going to see if I can talk to Heather Dubrow and I'm going to appeal to, to her kind nature and wanting to, you know, help her community out. And every community has someone that has, has, has a, a big audience. Right. So grab these people, leverage them and, and when, when they create the affect that you want, you know? Yeah, you talk about communication and such. My nephew, he's deaf. Okay. He's actually an amazing kid. He's, uh, I, I wish you could hear this because I, I, I do pump him up a little bit. But he's uh, a firefighter, a volunteer firefighter in upstate New York. And he has a, a deaf firefighter in his yeah. hand. Uh, he actually was the firefighter of the year for his uh, company. So, Look at that. Yeah, so, you know, he's, he's great. Yeah. Right? But go back to the thing. I could yell at him as loud as I want. Right. And that boy won't hear me. Absolutely. And this is like, like this, like I always, I like to use unfairly of course a texas accent and like if you go no you're not listening to me <laughs> i'm going to yell louder and slower like that person is not going to hear you so right. what we're doing every time you do something you should think how am i involve the community in this today how if, if every day as an emergency manager as a sheriff as a fire chief if the three of those people met someone new every day and invited right along with me today Take a day off. Let me buy you lunch and come right along with me. And if you don't get, if you get no's, that's where your work begins. You're like, all right, how do I figure this out? Who right. can I invite? And then tell that person, did you have fun today? And make sure they have a good time. I mean, be likable. You know, be a person that is a resource to somebody else. And if you don't do that, if the three of them don't do that, then you've not met over a thousand people between the three people. Right. So, you know, even in a small department, I mean, the mayor knows a lot of people, right? Go to the mayor and say, look, here's, here's what we have to do. I have to get these messages out. Among your peers, your constituents, who's connected well? I want to invite that person to come along, you know, and just work on these things so that all of the hard work that we're doing, all of the planning and all of that, all of the training, good grief, you know, that's a lot of stuff there. So I'll use an example. Um, in, in Iraq, we would teach and train the local police to do all these incredible things. They were giving IVs, they were doing hand-to-hand -hand combat, learning how to fingerprint, all this incredible stuff. I go on the ground and I start talking to locals and, and I'm really good at asking questions. I'll boil it down, but basically I would say, who do you call when there's trouble? When the wolf's at the door, who are you gonna call? My cousin, my brother, my neighbor, that guy down the street that's got that blue pickup truck, never the cops. Hmm. So you have all this training, all this hard work, and then you talk to the cops. What's the, what's the skill that you think is the coolest that you have? I don't have any skill. No one cares about me. But I just saw you whoop some guy's butt and get him a karate kick. Right. I, I, don't, I can't do that. That's just for you guys. Are you kidding me? You know, so when you go back to the commander, you're like, these guys don't even know they have the ability to fingerprint. They don't believe it themselves how in the world is the population going to call these guys?
So these are problems that, again, that are institutional. It's just, it's the ivory tower in college, right? right? Everybody knows the doctrine. Everybody knows, like, the theory. But um, you know, let's see him apply it. So you have to, you have to get ground-based, have to, have to, have to. And if you don't, if you're not sure how to do it, you know, call me on the phone. I'm glad to help you. You know, <laughs> I mean, this is, right. this is the thing. You can have all the plans you want, but no kidding. Who's going to follow it? You know, it, what if we could get that number to, instead of below 5%, what if you can get it to 8%? Yeah, actually, I think it's uh, some last study was done it was somewhere like around one percent for three days. Yeah, you know, right. So, I mean, how much, how much greater is that escalation problem, escalator problem, because of that? You know, it's just, right. And it's something that's simple to do. Uh, I don't know how long water lasts sitting in a in a in a sealed container. Should I get rid of it every ninety days? Every uh, I don't know. You know, and I know I can go find those things, but it's just not important to me now. If I had someone who I cared about saying, "I care about you. I really need you to, you know, think about these things. Do me the favor." and put, I don't know, whatever, a case of chili in your garage or whatever it's going to be, um, then you can check on that and see what kind of progress you have. You can have little test beds. You know, it's okay if you don't have it, but let me know. Have you done any of these things for me? No, I haven't. That's where the work begins. How, if I can't get this person, my friend, to do this, how in the world am I going to get a stranger to do it? Oh, yeah. I mean, this problem is really, I mean, as far as preparedness in general for the community is one of those things that we've been t- struggling with for years and it's let's be honest it's not struggling it's failing it's failing yeah yeah i mean we're, we're failing to come up with a way to do it and if we handle it from that point like we all want to do better we all try but the reality is is if we handled other things aspects of our lives at that level we would be like this is dumb right like i want to be a quarterback in the nfl <laughs> it ain't happening no matter how much i try right you know it's funny you talk about that i mean you know look at uh, hurricane sandy yeah you know, I remember at one point there was people, these are, you know, and, and this sounds terrible to say it the, this way, but these are your typical upper middle class people living on the Upper West Side. Yeah. And they're eating food out of a dumpster. Yeah. You know, probably yeah. something they've never done in their lives. Because right. Because they didn't have any food or water inside yes. their homes. Right. You know what I mean? And so they were not prepared and they expected somebody to come on their white horse to save them and they weren't coming and they had to go get food. Right. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean. These are the things that, you know, and then you take the flip side and, and I have a lot of friends in South Florida because I used to live there and I was texting them as the hurricane's hitting them. They're like, we still have power, you know, generators ready to go. Everything's boarded up. I got my hurricane glass, you know, if it gets nasty, we'll not be in the front room, but they're fine. Yeah. Like, absolutely not going to evac. Yeah. Like evac order comes like, that's great. We know what we're doing. And the whole community made sure that, you know, everybody, because, you know, maybe someone's husband's out of town and he can't come back to town. Like that person's going to be fine. They're going to be boarded up. They're, everybody's going to be taken care of. You know, they always say like the happiest line is the line at the liquor store and the most angry line is the line at the gas station. But right. there's lines in both those places getting provisions. Right. And then if the hurricane misses them, you know, like, I don't want to be in Tennessee. I, I can't miss work. And right. I have things to do. I can't be in Tennessee and the hurricane misses. Because they've seen that, right? right? So as an emergency manager, you have to go, look, this, these people are going to stay. What do we do for them? How do we help them? The folks that are going to leave, of course, you're dealing with them too. But that's the reality. Some of the issues that we're having with specifically with Irma, right, is the keys just got devastated. Yeah. They didn't have any power. Right. right. And then just a few miles up the road, you know, you had guys that were prepared and had generators and stuff like that right. and they're they just thinking it was like a regular day and it was just, yeah yeah it's just kind of interesting in that in that aspect when i first moved there i was like what do we do i don't even understand any part of this hurricane stuff and they kept telling me no don't worry about it 
we all we all we all have it. Like, what about gas for the tent? Like, you don't worry about that. You don't do that now. You do that later. They already had a system already in place. And they knew like once they shut this down, the intercoastal shuts and everybody comes out of there because that's crazy to stay out there. And but there's still people that will try to stay out. You know, they, so they they had this whole infrastructure already built where they were resilient on their own and they they knew what they needed to do and and they were accounting for it were they 100 accountable and resilient no of course not but it's a lot different because that's a reality for them and for the keys people unless you're new to that area and you know don't pay attention to your neighbors you're going to be fine i remember um janet reno wrote about her and her mom hunkering down out in the keys because that's where they were from or whatever they had a house and they just like yeah we buttoned up and got low and started picking up homfrons the next day you know right, right. Like they, they just they know how to do it um because that's the cultural requirement of that area same thing in the bayou those folks don't need rescuing right they need being left alone and they'll tell you you know right. yeah well it's funny because there's some mixed reports coming out of puerto rico right with the same thing there's some people that are really devastated hospitals and stuff like that were down you know, yeah that, that's the key part about getting those things back up is running was like the key infrastructure right? yeah right hospitals roads things like this but for the most part the people that weren't sick or whatever i mean they're, they're back to work yep yeah, back to you know doing their thing yeah. and, you know it sucked that power wasn't on but they figured out how to you know do it and they they're survivors you know at yeah. the end of the day but yeah i mean like in the cities san juan uh, for instance was really really kind of screwed um because yeah. they're they're city people right know? yeah so that experience for the city people were way different than the experience for the the people into the uh, into the you know, the bush for back like a better term right yeah up on the side of the hill it's 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 a different game for sure right. and uh, and they got hammered yeah. really bad and when the key infrastructure is failing you know you're talking about a significant problem for sure for anybody and you're just trying to mitigate at that point I, I think I mean I'm not an expert in that yeah. field but if the hospital is down and it has no power that becomes a really high priority you know. Right just reading some stuff and obviously I'm not on the ground over yeah. there and I'm just hearing reports that it seemed like um, the focus should have been or still is on getting the hospitals and the infrastructure back up and running. I think once that gets up and running again, everybody's going to be, you know, back to normal. It'll take a few years to, to rebuild some of sure. the buildings and stuff yeah. like that. But the key portion of it's going to be, it's going to be It'll, okay. Yeah. You can get care when you need it. Yeah. And, and you're talking, you know, just like if, if we had a major hur- or hurricane, if we had a major earthquake here, there would be the thing of how do we keep this building standing up? How do we get people out of this building? And there's going to be a lot of other people like, oh, we need help too, but at a lower level. Right. And you've got to manage that for three plus million people or whatever. <laughs> it, it does get crazy. And I'm not, you know, understand, again, I'm critical, but I'm critical because I know that there are paths to do the things that we want to do. And if we get this part of the equation right, but don't get the other part of the equation right, we end up becoming a net destabilizer in these situations. Right. So we've got to get away from the net destabilization model. We've got to get away from the fear-based model. You know? Yeah, I agree with you. I think the fear-based model is terrible. And I, right. think, I think that makes the people get stuck on the escalator because yeah. they, they just don't know what to do. So there's, I'm going to stand here because right. I don't know what else to do. Yeah, and it's overwhelming. I mean, a podcast like this is great because you can start to create for even other emergency managers. Like, I'm overwhelmed. I give up. I, you know, I'm going to get paid. I'm going to do what I got to do. And hopefully nothing happens. I mean, that, that's, a, that's a real outcome for people. Mm-hmm. And it's a real outcome for the population. Like, I, I don't know. If there's an earthquake, what the hell am I going to do anyhow? You know, I don't know when it's going to be. Where it's, you know, okay, I, we've got um, 
We've got, you know, go bags in all of our cars and our family, but I would bet that we're the only family on the block with that. Not because we're better, but just because my uh, my girl cares about that. And, and I've been shot at a whole bunch, so I know what it's like. Like, I need stuff so in case something happens. I've always got a towel. I've always got a poncho. I've always, right. I've always got these things so that I can take care of myself. But I've been in really bad places where I've had to not eat out of the dumpster, but I've had to make those kinds of choices between, like, something horrible and something worse. And you're like, wow. You know, if I would have had a right. sterno can, I could I could have some heat make this food hot or whatever it's going to be, whatever right, simple right, thing right. it is. So why wouldn't I have these provisions laid out for myself? So easier said than done, for sure. Yeah, you know, it's funny. As emergency managers, we tell our citizens, you know, hey, be prepared. Yeah. Be ready. Be prepared. Be ready. Do this, do this, do this. And then and then at the same time, we, we mock those people that they call themselves preppers. preppers yeah. You know, oh, those guys are ridiculous. I'm right. Like, well, but are we selling that? Yeah. Are we telling everybody <laughs> to? Yeah. And you're also competing with all the other crap I have to do. I can't drink out of a plastic bottle. Right. You know, I have to work out. Uh, uh, NSNG, no sugar, no rain. Like, I, I, I'm out of things. I'm out of things that I get to care about, you know. So you were competing with a very big message and, and complex, too. Like, what's prepared? When do I know? How do I know? What if I'm an OCD person who needs to do it perfectly to get it even started? Right. Right? I mean, there's all these things that you have to, you know, account for or not account for them. But understand you're competing for their awareness, for sure. Right. And then you're competing with pop culture like we always have been. And yeah. those things are really exciting and important. And whoever won the last... Emmy Awards or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. I have to watch that show. On you can, for- you know, the population can tell us, I don't know what happened on Game of Thrones, but who can tell me the last uh, Nobel Prize winner for physics? <laughs> right. One of those two things is way more important than the other. Right. You know, and it's never the physics guy, <laughs> you know, literally. So, so we, we all know all these other things that don't matter. You're competing for that awareness. Right. And if you don't compete in a way that this is why you want to work within their culture instead of building your own, you know, cultures as you experience it, not as you design it. And if you design something, again, you're internally focused. So neighbor for neighbor is a good idea. And, and let's do that. Let's continue to do it. But let's also look whenever we can to make neighbor for neighbor an add-on to lacrosse, right. football, whatever it's going to be, you know, and get involved and communicate, not broadcast. Speaking about that, Major League Baseball this year during the World Series, I think, did a really good job because yeah. they're in Houston. Number one, well, I mean, yeah. it happened, and they did a great job of, of highlighting uh, that disaster response, and specifically Team Rubicon. Yeah. Donating money to, to them for their for their. I clubs. love the whole Team Rubicon concept too. Yeah, and I yeah. think the MLB, I think all those organizations do a good job of that. And then the whole fill in the blank strong Houston strong Boston strong like all of that stuff helps create awareness and everything. Yeah, I mean you just don't want to have to be the one. The, you don't want to be the one that fills in the blank. You know, right. Orange County strong. Well, but hopefully yeah. you know something will happen. But yeah, Major League Baseball did great, and and uh, you know Wayne McNulty and those guys are. are incredible they give us uh, veterans something to do here's a chainsaw get to work okay i have a purpose man I, when i first came back i needed a purpose like nobody's business mm-hmm. you know so it's a great it's a great way to to do that um let's keep doing more of those things 
Yeah, and and they do a great job. I mean, yeah, everybody who's been listening to this for a while knows that I'm I'm involved with Team Rubicon um, at the at the level here in in California in Region Nine. But uh, you know, but it is a it's a good program. Yeah, you know, it really is a good program, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're reaching out. And it's funny because we we're just talking about this the other day. That used to be like like ninety percent veteran. I think they're at like a sixty five percent veteran now. We're That's good. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Good. it's it's branching out. Yeah, it's branching out, and there's other because there are people that want to help, you know, and they have time, and they're like, I am going to hop on this plane and go to this place or whatever. Right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Well, hey, so we're getting here close to the end of the of the podcast, and I just wanted you to talk about your podcast a little oh, bit, sure. what you're doing. Which podcast should we talk about? I got a bunch of them. I Man. think... Uh, I like the Lakers one, but oh. <laughs> yeah, I do have a Lakers podcast called Lakers Rain, and it's at Lakers Rain Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can always reach me, ask me any. Legitimately, please reach out and ask me, Pete A. Turner on Twitter. You can find me. Link with me on LinkedIn. I'm not hard to find. Um, but I've got my main podcast is called Break It Down Show, and we get really notable people. Uh, we're gonna have Randy Jackson on soon. Oh, great! From American Idol, we've had Stuart Copeland from The Police has been on our show. So we get. Uh, we just passed 200. Well, we're about to pass 200 shows on Friday, so we've been at this for a while. Yeah, thanks, man. So uh, a good place to go for great podcast stuff. If you like technology, I've got one of those. But the biggest thing I would encourage people to do is just reach out. You know, I've, I am linked to a lot of emergency managers on LinkedIn, and if you want ideas, I'm glad to help. I'm glad to. I'm glad to consult for money, but I will also <laughs> do everything I can to go. Here are areas where I would focus, and if you need my help, great. You know, I, I accept all forms of payment. Not diners club. <laughs> Not Dutch Club? No. But, um, you I take I'm, Starbucks cards. Starbucks, I would. I would. I have, you know what? I absolutely would take Starbucks cards. Um, I absolutely will help, and I will do everything I can to be as cost-effective as I can. But I know that what I do works because I've done it in places that are way worse than wherever we're at. You right. Know? So uh, those are the things. Like, ask questions. I'm glad to help out. Um, break it down. Show at breakitdownshow.com. Popping the bubble with no e on the end. P u b u b b l. These are the places where, pop, where my podcasts are. I'm passionate about what you guys are doing. I mean, this is obviously this is important work. Obviously, and and I hope that we can all hold ourselves to a high standard because that one person that we help is it's going to make all the difference, you know? Right. And I want to make, this is one of my things I've been thinking about. I want to make first responders one and a half responders because you respond to yourself, you know, self aid is the first aid, right? True. And, and your buddy aid is the next. And then hopefully the first responders there is like, Oh, you already got a poncho, man. This is great. I want to sit here and, you know, have a dip and right. relax. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, we all want to get to the same place. Right. It's just let's, let's rethink how we approach and let's think affect first. How do we get the affects that we want? Perfect. Well, everybody, thank you for listening today. Like I said before, please share this with your friends, family, colleagues, and whoever else you think would get something out of it. Pete, thank you so much for being here. Before we let pleasure. you go, is there anything you want to add? No, I do. You, you've heard it all. Uh, communicate, affect over effect, and ask Pete. I will help. Loving me was all you tried when you were around. I've been told too many times now. Yeah, loving me was all you tried when you were around. I've been told too many times now. But somewhere.
told you many times now Yeah, can't you see that I just need to be by myself I have told you many times now But somewhere Star